Book Seventeen, Chapters Nine through Sixteen of the City of God. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Darren L. Slider, www.logoslibrary.org. The City of God by Saint Augustine of Hippo, Book Seventeen, Chapter Nine. Wherefore also in the eighty-ninth psalm, of which the title is, An Instruction for Himself by Ethan the Israelite, mention is made of the promises God made to King David, and some things are there added similar to those found in the book of Samuel, such as this, I have sworn to David my servant that I will prepare his seed for ever. And again, then thou spakest in vision to thy sons, and saidst, I have laid help upon the mighty one, and have exalted the chosen one out of my people. I have found David my servant, and with my holy oil I have anointed him. For mine hand shall help him, and mine arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not prevail against him, and the son of iniquity shall harm him no more. And I will beat down his foes from before his face, and those that hate him will I put to flight. And my truth and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea, and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my father, my God, and the undertaker of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn high among the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him for evermore, and my covenant shall be faithful, sure, with him. His seed also will I set for ever and ever, and his throne is the days of heaven. Which words, when rightly understood, are all understood to be about the Lord Jesus Christ, under the name of David, on account of the form of a servant, which the same mediator assumed from the virgin of the seed of David. For immediately something is said about the sins of his children, such as is set down in the book of Samuel, and is more readily taken as if of Solomon. For there, that is, in the book of Samuel, he says, And if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with a rod of men, and with the stripes of the sons of men. But my mercy will I not take away from him, meaning by stripes the strokes of correction. Hence that saying, Touch ye not my Christ's. For what else is that, then, do not harm them? But in the psalm, when speaking as if of David, he says something of the same kind there too. If his children, saith he, forsake my law, and walk not in my judgments, if they profane my righteousnesses, and keep not my commandments, I will visit their iniquities with a rod, and their faults with stripes, but my mercy I will not make void from him. He did not say from them, although he spoke of his children, not of himself, but he said from him, which means the same thing, if rightly understood. For if Christ himself, who is the head of the church, there could not be found any sins which required to be divinely restrained by human correction, mercy being still continued, but they are found in his body and members, which is his people. Therefore in the book of Samuel it is said, Iniquity of him, but in the psalm, of his children, that we may understand that what is said of his body is in some way said of himself. Wherefore also, when Saul persecuted his body, that is, his believing people, he himself saith from heaven, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Then in the following words of the psalm he says, Neither will I hurt in my truth, nor profane my covenant, and the things that proceed from my lips I will not disallow. Once have I sworn by my holiness, if I lie unto David, 
that is, I will in no wise lie unto David, for scripture is wont to speak thus. But what that is in which he will not lie, he adds, saying, His seed shall endure for ever, and his throne is the sun before me, and is the moon perfected for ever, and a faithful witness in heaven. Chapter 10 that it might not be supposed that a promise so strongly expressed and confirmed was fulfilled in Solomon, as if he hoped for, yet did not find it, he says, But thou hast cast off, and hast brought to nothing, O Lord. This truly was done concerning the kingdom of Solomon among his posterity, even to the overthrow of the earthly Jerusalem itself, which was the seat of the kingdom, and especially the destruction of the very temple which had been built by Solomon. But lest on this account God should be thought to have done contrary to his promise, immediately he adds, Thou hast delayed thy Christ. Therefore he is not Solomon, nor yet David himself, if the Christ of the Lord is delayed. For while all the kings are called his Christs, who were consecrated with that mystical chrism, not only from King David downwards, but even from that Saul who first was anointed king of that same people, David himself indeed calling him the Lord's Christ, yet there was one true Christ, whose figure they bore by the prophetic unction, who, according to the opinion of men, who thought he was to be understood as come in David or in Solomon, was long delayed, but who, according as God had disposed, was to come in his own time. The following part of this psalm goes on to say what, in the meantime, while he was delayed, was to become of the kingdom of the earthly Jerusalem, where it was hoped he would certainly reign. Thou hast overthrown the covenant of thy servant, thou hast profaned in the earth his sanctuary, thou hast broken down all his walls, thou hast put his strongholds in fear. All that pass by the way spoil him, he is made a reproach to his neighbours. Thou hast set up the right hand of his enemies, thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. Thou hast turned aside the help of his sword, and hast not helped him in war. Thou hast destroyed him from cleansing, thou hast dashed down his seat to the ground. Thou hast shortened the days of his seat, thou hast poured confusion over him. All these things came upon Jerusalem the bondwoman, in which some also reigned who were children of the free woman, holding that kingdom in temporary stewardship, but holding the kingdom of the heavenly Jerusalem, whose children they were, in true faith and hoping in the true Christ. But how these things came upon that kingdom, the history of its affairs points out, if it is read. CHAPTER eleven. But after having prophesied these things, the prophet betakes him to praying to God, yet even the very prayer is prophecy. How long, Lord, dost thou turn away in the end? Thy face is understood, as it is elsewhere said, How long dost thou turn away thy face from me? For therefore some copies have here not dust, but wilt thou turn away, although it could be understood, Thou turnest away thy mercy which thou didst promise to David. But when he says, In the end, what does it mean except even to the end? By which end is to be understood the last time, when even that nation is to believe in Christ Jesus, before which end what he has just sorrowfully bewailed must come to pass? On account of which it is also added here, Thy wrath shall burn like fire. Remember what is my substance. This cannot be better understood than of Jesus himself, the substance of his people, of whose nature his flesh is. For not in vain, he says, hast thou made all the sons of men. 
For unless the one son of man had been the substance of Israel, through which son of man, many sons of men, should be set free, all the sons of men would have been made holy in vain. But now indeed all mankind through the fall of the first man has fallen from the truth into vanity, for which reason another psalm says, Man is like to vanity, his days pass away as a shadow. Yet God has not made all the sons of men in vain, because he frees many from vanity through the mediator Jesus, and those whom he did not foreknow as to be delivered, he made not wholly in vain in the most beautiful and most just ordination of the whole rational creation, for the use of those who were to be delivered, and for the comparison of the two cities by mutual contrast. Thereafter it follows, Who is the man that shall live and shall not see death? Shall he snatch his soul from the hand of hell? Who is this but that substance of Israel out of the seed of David, Christ Jesus, of whom the apostle says, that rising from the dead he now dieth not, and death shall no more have dominion over him? For he shall so live, and not see death, that yet he shall have been dead, but shall have delivered his soul from the hand of hell, whither he had descended in order to loose some from the chains of hell. But he hath delivered it by that power of which he says in the gospel, I have the power of laying down my life, and I have the power of taking it again. Chapter 12 But the rest of this psalm runs thus, where are thine ancient compassions, Lord, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, which I have borne in my bosom of many nations, wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the change of thy Christ. Now it may with very good reason be asked whether this is spoken in the person of those Israelites who desire that the promise made to David might be fulfilled to them, or rather of the Christians who are Israelites not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This certainly was spoken or written in the time of Ethan, from whose name this psalm gets its title, and that was the same as the time of David's reign, and therefore it would not have been said, Where are thine ancient compassions, Lord, which thou hast sworn unto David in thy truth, unless the prophet had assumed the person of those who should come long afterwards, to whom that time when these things were promised to David was ancient. But it may be understood thus, that many nations, when they persecuted the Christians, reproached them with the passion of Christ, which Scripture calls his change, because by dying he is made immortal. The change of Christ, according to this passage, may also be understood to be reproached by the Israelites, because, when they hoped he would be theirs, he was made the saviour of the nations, and many nations who have believed in him by the New Testament now reproach them who remain in the old with this, so that it is said, Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, because through the Lord's not forgetting, but rather pitying them, even they, after this reproach, are to believe. But what I have put first seemed to me the most suitable meaning. For to the enemies of Christ, who are reproached with this, that Christ hath left them, turning to the Gentiles, this speech is incongruously assigned, Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, for such Jews are not to be styled the servants of God. But these words fit those who, if they suffered great humiliations through persecution for the name of Christ, could call to mind that an exalted kingdom had been promised to the seed of David, and in desire of it, could say not despairingly, but as asking, seeking, knocking, Where are thine ancient compassions, Lord, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? 
Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, that I have borne in my bosom of many nations, that is, have patiently endured in my inward parts. That thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the change of thy Christ, not thinking it a change, but a consumption. But what does remember, Lord, mean, but that thou wouldst have compassion, and wouldst for my patiently borne humiliation reward me with the excellency which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? But if we assign these words to the Jews, those servants of God who, on the conquest of the earthly Jerusalem, before Jesus Christ was born after the manner of men, were led into captivity, could say such things, understanding the change of Christ, because indeed through him was to be surely expected not an earthly and carnal felicity, such as appeared during the few years of King Solomon, but a heavenly and spiritual felicity. And when the nations, then ignorant of this through unbelief, exulted over and insulted the people of God for being captives, what else was this than ignorantly to reproach with the change of Christ those who understand the change of Christ? And therefore what follows when this psalm is concluded, Let the blessing of the Lord be for evermore, Amen, Amen, is suitable enough for the whole people of God belonging to the heavenly Jerusalem, whether for those things that lay hid in the Old Testament before the New was revealed, or for those that being now revealed in the New Testament are manifestly discerned to belong to Christ. For the blessing of the Lord in the seed of David does not belong to any particular time, such as appeared in the days of Solomon, but is for evermore to be hoped for, in which most certain hope it is said, Amen, Amen. For this repetition of the word is the confirmation of that hope. Therefore David, understanding this, says in the second book of Kings, in the passage from which we digressed to this psalm, Thou hast spoken also for thy servant's house for a great while to come. Therefore also a little after he says, Now begin and bless the house of thy servant for evermore, etc., because the son was then about to be born from whom his posterity should be continued to Christ, through whom his house should be eternal, and should also be the house of God. For it is called the house of David on account of David's race, but the selfsame is called the house of God on account of the temple of God, made of men, not of stones, where shall dwell for evermore the people with and in their God, and God with and in his people, so that God may fill his people, and the people be filled with their God, while God shall be all in all, himself their reward in peace, who is their strength in war. Therefore, when it is said in the words of Nathan, And the Lord will tell thee what an house thou shalt build for him, it is afterwards said in the words of David, For thou, Lord Almighty, God of Israel, hast opened the ear of thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. For this house is built both by us through living well, and by God through helping us to live well. For, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And when the final dedication of this house shall take place, then what God here says by Nathan shall be fulfilled. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant him, and he shall dwell apart, and shall be troubled no more. And the son of iniquity shall not humble him any more, as from the beginning, from the days when I appointed judges over my people Israel. Chapter 13 Whoever hopes for this so great good in this world and in this earth, his wisdom is but folly. Can any one think it was fulfilled in the peace of Solomon's reign? Scripture certainly commends that peace with excellent praise as a shadow of that which is to come. 
but this opinion is to be vigilantly opposed since after it is said and the son of iniquity shall not humble him any more it is immediately added as from the beginning from the days in which i appointed judges over my people israel for the judges were appointed over that people from the time when they received the land of promise before kings had begun to be there and certainly the son of iniquity, that is, the foreign enemy, humbled him through periods of time in which we read that peace alternated with wars, and in that period longer times of peace are found than Solomon had, who reigned forty years. For under that judge who was called Ehud there were eighty years of peace. Be it far from us, therefore, that we should believe the times of Solomon are predicted in this promise, much less indeed those of any other king whatever. For none other of them reigned in such great peace as he, nor did that nation ever at all hold that kingdom so as to have no anxiety, lest it should be subdued by enemies. For in the very great mutability of human affairs such great security is never given to any people, that it should not dread invasions hostile to this life. Therefore the place of this promised peaceful and secure habitation is eternal, and of right belongs eternally to Jerusalem the free mother, where the genuine people of Israel shall be, for this name is interpreted seeing God, in the desire of which reward a pious life is to be led through faith in this miserable pilgrimage. CHAPTER fourteen. In the progress of the city of God through the ages, therefore, David first reigned in the earthly Jerusalem as a shadow of that which was to come. Now David was a man skilled in songs, who dearly loved musical harmony, not with a vulgar delight, but with a believing disposition, and by it served his God, who is the true God, by the mystical representation of a great thing. For the rational and well-ordered concord of diverse sounds and harmonious variety suggests the compact unity of the well-ordered city. Then almost all his prophecies and psalms, of which a hundred and fifty are contained in what we call the book of psalms, of which some will have it, those only were made by David, which are inscribed with his name. But there are also some who think none of them were made by him, except those which are marked of David, but those which have in the title for David have been made by others who assumed his person. Which opinion is refuted by the voice of the Saviour himself in the Gospel, when he says that David himself by the Spirit said Christ was his Lord. For the one hundred and tenth psalm begins thus, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And truly that very psalm, like many more, has in the title not of David, but for David. But those seem to me to hold the more credible opinion who ascribe to him the authorship of all these hundred and fifty psalms, and think that he prefixed to some of them the names even of other men, who prefigured something pertinent to the matter, but chose to have no man's name in the titles of the rest, just as God inspired him in the management of this variety, which, although dark, is not meaningless. Neither ought it to move one not to believe this, that the names of some prophets who lived long after the times of King David are read in the inscriptions of certain psalms in that book, and that the things said there seem to be spoken, as it were, by them. Nor was the prophetic spirit unable to reveal to King David, when he prophesied, even these names of future prophets, so that he might prophetically sing something which should suit their persons, just as it was revealed to a certain prophet that King Josiah should arise and reign after more than three hundred years, who predicted his future deeds also, along with his name. CHAPTER fifteen. 
and now I see it may be expected of me that I shall open up in this part of this book what David may have prophesied in the Psalms concerning the Lord Jesus Christ or his church. But although I have already done so in one instance, I am prevented from doing, as that expectation seems to demand, rather by the abundance than the scarcity of matter. For the necessity of shunning prolixity forbids my setting down all things, yet I fear lest if I select some I shall appear to many who know these things to have passed by the more necessary. Besides, the proof that is adduced ought to be supported by the context of the whole psalm, so that at least there may be nothing against it if everything does not support it, lest we should seem, after the fashion of the centos, to gather for the thing we wish, as it were, verses out of a grand poem, what shall be found to have been written not about it, but about some other and widely different thing. But ere this could be pointed out in each psalm, the whole of it must be expounded, and how great a work that would be, the volumes of others, as well as our own, in which we have done it, show well enough. Let him then who will, or can, read these volumes, and he will find out how many and great things David, at once king and prophet, has prophesied concerning Christ and his church, to wit, concerning the king and the city which he has built. CHAPTER Sixteen. For whatever direct and manifest prophetic utterances there may be about anything, it is necessary that those which are tropical should be mingled with them, which chiefly on account of those of slower understanding thrust upon the more learned the laborious task of clearing up and expounding them. Some of them indeed on the very first blush, as soon as they are spoken, exhibit Christ in the church, although some things in them that are less intelligible remain to be expounded at leisure. We have an example of this in that same book of Psalms. My heart bubbled up a good matter. I utter my words to the king. My tongue is the pen of a scribe writing swiftly. Thy form is beautiful beyond the sons of men. Grace is poured out in thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee for evermore. Gird thy sword about thy thigh, O most mighty. With thy goodliness and thy beauty go forward, proceed prosperously, and reign because of thy truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall lead thee forth wonderfully. Thy sharp arrows are most powerful in the heart of the king's enemies. The people shall fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever, a rod of direction is the rod of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness, and hast hated iniquity. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of exultation above thy fellows. Myrrh and drops, and cassia from thy vestments, from the houses of ivory, out of which the daughters of kings have delighted thee in thine honour. Who is there, no matter how slow, but must here recognize Christ, whom we preach, and in whom we believe, if he hears that he is God, whose throne is for ever and ever, and that he is anointed by God, as God indeed anoints, not with a visible, but with a spiritual and intelligible chrism? For who is so untaught in this religion, or so deaf to its far and widespread fame, as not to know that Christ is named from this chrism, that is, from this anointing? But when it is acknowledged that this king is Christ, let each one who is already subject to him who reigns because of truth, meekness, and righteousness, inquire at his leisure into these other things that are here said tropically, how his form is beautiful beyond the sons of men, with a certain beauty that is the more to be loved and admired the less it is corporeal, and what his sword, arrows, and other things of that kind may be, which are set down, not properly, but tropically. 
Then let him look upon his church, joined to her so great husband in spiritual marriage and divine love, of which it is said in these words which follow, The queen stood upon thy right hand in gold-embroidered vestments, girded about with variety. Hearken, O daughter, and look, and incline thine ear. Forget also thy people and thy father's house, because the king hath greatly desired thy beauty, for he is the Lord thy God. And the daughters of Tyre shall worship him with gifts, the rich among the people shall entreat thy face. The daughter of the king has all her glory within, in golden fringes, girded about with variety. The virgins shall be brought after her to the king, her neighbors shall be brought to thee. They shall be brought with gladness and exultation, they shall be led into the temple of the king. Instead of thy fathers, sons shall be born to thee, thou shalt establish them as princes over all the earth. They shall be mindful of thy name in every generation and descent. Therefore shall the people acknowledge thee for evermore, even for ever and ever. I do not think any one is so stupid as to believe that some poor woman is here praised and described, as the spouse to wit of him to whom it is said, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever, a rod of direction is the rod of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of exultation above thy fellows, that is, plainly, Christ above Christians. For these are his fellows, out of the unity and concord of whom in all nations that queen is formed, as it is said of her in another psalm, the city of the great king. The same is Zion spiritually, which name in Latin is interpreted speculatio, discovery, for she descries the great good of the world to come, because her attention is directed thither. In the same way she is also Jerusalem spiritually, of which we have already said many things. Her enemy is the city of the devil, Babylon, which is interpreted confusion. Yet out of this Babylon this queen is in all nations set free by regeneration, and passes from the worst to the best king, that is, from the devil to Christ. Wherefore it is said to her, Forget thy people and thy father's house. Of this impious city those also are a portion, who are Israelites only in the flesh, and not by faith, enemies also of this great king himself, and of his queen. For Christ, having come to them, and been slain by them, has the more become the king of others, whom he did not see in the flesh. Whence our king himself says through the prophecy of a certain psalm, Thou wilt deliver me from the contradictions of the people, thou wilt make me head of the nations. A people whom I have not known hath served me, in the hearing of the ear it hath obeyed me. Therefore this people of the nations which Christ did not know in his bodily presence, yet has believed in that Christ as announced to it, so that it might be said of it with good reason, in the hearing of the ear it hath obeyed me, for faith is by hearing. This people, I say, added to those who were the true Israelites, both by the flesh and by faith, is the city of God, which has brought forth Christ himself according to the flesh, since he was in these Israelites only. For thence came the Virgin Mary, in whom Christ assumed flesh, that he might be man. Of which city another psalm says, Mother Zion shall a man say, and the man is made in her, and the highest himself hath founded her. Who is this highest save God? And thus Christ, who is God, before he became man through Mary in that city, himself founded it by the patriarchs and prophets. 
As therefore was said by prophecy so long before to this queen, the city of God, what we already can see fulfilled, Instead of thy fathers, sons are born to thee, thou shalt make them princes over all the earth. So out of her sons truly are set up even her fathers, princes, through all the earth, when the people, coming together to her, confess to her with the confession of eternal praise for ever and ever. Beyond doubt, whatever interpretation is put on what is here expressed somewhat darkly in figurative language ought to be in agreement with these most manifest things. End of Book 17, Chapters 9 through 16. Recording by Darren L. Slider, Fort Worth, Texas, www.logoslibrary.org.